Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Proverbs 19, verse uh, 21. We've seen this verse quite a bit. In the New Living, the New Living translation reads this way. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You can make many plans. Anybody had maybe ulterior plans, alternate plans for 2020? Anybody, anybody start out this year with a different version of 2020? You know, they say hindsight is 2020. Well, I'm ready for 2020 to be a hindsight. Let's put it in the rearview mirror and let's drive on, right? Amen. We have plans, and it's good to make plans, and it's good to keep plans. In fact, God is a plan maker and a plan keeper. We all know Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says what? For I know the plans, not the guessing game, right? It's not for I, I hope these plans work out. Uh, I hope this, this takes place. I have an idea of what you might do. No, he knows the plans that he has for you, saith the Lord, plans for good. He goes on, he goes on and qualifies them and clarifies. What are those plans? They're good plans. Amen. We serve a good God. We have a good father that's got good plans for us. Before we ever started on this thing, he already had an idea of how it would start and how it would end. Sometimes we start and don't know where we'll end, but he knows where he's going to end, and then he gets started. That's how God works. God works backwards. God gets to the conclusion of a thing and says, all right, let's back up a little bit. Let's see, we're going to start them here, and we're going to take them on this path and go this way, but the conclusion is never in question. I said, with God, the conclusion is never in question. God knows where he wants to end up. God knows where he wants you to end up. God knows where you will end up. Hello? If we what? Follow his plan and stay with his purpose. And so we can make plans and and we can live our lives with these details and with these disciplines and, and our regimens. But how many of you ever know that there are levels of unpredictability in life? Anybody ever noticed that? Unpredictability. You know what's ironic to me? Is we serve a God that we just saying that is who you are, right? Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. And that song was good when it was first written, and that song was good today, and that song will always be good because guess what? God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But isn't it interesting that a God that is so constant is also yet so predictable, unpredictable? Unpredictable? They almost messed it up just trying to even say it. Like how can a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, yet there are still measures of God, I have no clue what he's doing. And I have no clue how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, and who he's going to do it through, and how he's going to do it, and what the process looks like. There are levels of unpredictability, and that's where faith comes in. Because faith trusts not in what is seen, but what is in unseen or not seen. What has yet to be seen is the way I like to put it. Because faith is just believing and moving what is in the unseen, moving it to the seen. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't create healing. Faith moves healing from heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Faith moves things. God doesn't have to go and like, okay, let me conjure up some more, some, some more healing for you. Let me go in, back in the laboratory and, and get together some more hope for you. I'm running low on hope. He's got all the hope you need. In the, in the presence of God, there's the fullness of joy. So when I'm, when I'm operating by faith, I may not see it now. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working, right? He's working. He's moving. He's touching. He's doing what God does. The same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed then, he's healing now. If he moved then, he's moving now. If he parted the waters then, he'll part the waters now. If he slayed the giants then, he'll slay the giants now. Come on, that's the God we serve. You gotta get acquainted sometimes. The presence of God gets you acquainted with him. That's what presence does. Presence isn't just to say, oh, we were in the presence of God. Presence gets you acquainted, builds an assurance and a confidence within you so when you're in a situation where you don't feel the presence, you know he's moving. You know he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working because when I was there and he was working, he's still working even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it. Come on. We got to operate and be led by faith in our lives, not fear, right? Not experience. Not what happened last time. There's this level of unpredictability with the God that remains so constant. God doesn't change plans. God doesn't change plans. God is still doing the same thing he's always been doing. Let me tell you something. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and God had to make a way to redeem mankind and prophesied there in the garden that I'm going to send my son and you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. That wasn't plan B for God. Hello. The Bible says that he was a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. God is a preparer, right? And that's what plans do. Plans help you prepare for something. You know, today, preparation is a multi-billion dollar industry. We love to be prepared. We got security systems, and we got calendars, and we got schedule keepers, and we got alarm clocks, and we got a, a reminders, and we've got Alexas and series that, that tell us when this is scheduled and how long it's going to take from here to there and what the traffic's like and what the weather's going to be like and if there's rain, if you're going to need your umbrella or not, if you're going to need or if you're going to run into something on the way or if there's an alternate route or if the route's been closed. We have, we have multiple ways to plan and prepare for anything, and yet we still end up in scenarios like we are right now, a pandemic. A pandemic implies we weren't prepared. <laughs> that's, that's the implication of a, you, and, and, and look, if anybody in this room knew this was coming and you holding out on us, better get down here now. I'm calling you out. I knew this was, I saw this coming. Get down here. Let, let, let's know, let's tell us why you weren't on the news, letting us all know what was. Ain't nobody saw this coming. But God did. But God did. It's this, this measure of life that can be unpredictable. It's this measure of life that, that we are serving a God that remains constant. We serve a God that doesn't change. Yet, there's still this level of trust and a level of not knowing, and a level of not seeing, and a level of having to, to put our faith and reliance and our confidence that he's working and doing something even when we don't see it. 
All joking aside, I know people that have had a very rough 2020. They've lost people. There are people that are no longer with us that were here January 1. Started out the year. We've lost close people. We, we, we've got children at home that are supposed to be in school. And we got parents, all joking aside, that are freaked out of their minds. Statistics show that one month for a child out of school, it takes six months to get that back. Now, I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm telling you what the natural uh, uh, scenario is that we are being faced with right now. That there's very real dangers that are out in the world and that people don't know what to believe on top of all that. We don't even know what really is dangerous. We don't know if, if you're telling us it's dangerous, it's because you're trying to trick us and you're really the one that's dangerous, right? Are you manipulating me to try to make me think something is, is, is fear, that I should be fearful of something when I really shouldn't, that you're the one I should be afraid of? Is there an ulterior motive or, or assignment behind this thing? Are there other agendas at play? This year's been crazy. Unpredictable, right? When we say these are unprecedented times, what are we really saying? It's unpredictable times. There's two questions everybody's asking themselves right now. How did we get here? And how do we get out? There's two questions. How in the world did we end up here? And when will all this be over? Right? Those are the questions we're asking ourselves. And for all the type A people like myself, I like to plan and like to know what's coming around the corner. You know, what I just did to the worship team. Actually, a, uh, it, was, it was a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Huh? Yeah, what, what, am I, what am I looking for when you're, like, you're trying to tell a story or something? An object lesson. Just gave you all an object lesson, and I used them to get it done. And they're all like, oh, we ain't ever listening to you. We ain't ever singing a song on the spot that you tell us to sing. You can forget it. But y'all did a good job. Y'all, y'all changed on the fly. I mean, that was awesome, man. They had no idea. The guys back there didn't know they, it, the words weren't I think the words were on there, weren't they? I saw the words. Good job, guys. That is awesome. There was zero preparation for that. I felt in my spirit, I went home to, to get my wife, and we got, well, on the way back, I was like, man, I'm singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come, flood this place, fill the atmosphere. And so obviously, the right thing to do is to shoot somebody a text. Or, you know, when you, when you walk back in the green room before we're all coming out and they're huddling up praying for the service, that might be a good idea uh, to, uh, you know, say, hey, guys, I got something by the Spirit on the way in, and um, uh, I just feel we need to go. I walked right past them, waited at everybody, grabbed a bottle of water, and walked out. I said, no. Nope. Because sometimes we overvalue being prepared. Sometimes we prepare so much that we miss what God's really trying to do. Sometimes we prepare so much that we overthink it. We create scenarios that God's not even trying to create. Abraham, Abraham gets a word, right? Because God's unpredictable. He'll pick a 75-year-old man to be the father of many nations that can't have any kids. 
He's unpredictable like that. And so he clues Abraham in. Well, you know, after a, a, a few years, nothing happens. I mean, you're taking care of business and we ain't pregnant. Are you sure, God? Right? Anybody had any are you sure, God, conversations this year? Are you, are you sure that you promised me that? Are you sure this is the year of increase? Are, are you sure? We, we ain't off by about 365 days. We, you know, are you sure? And then what does Abraham do? Well, we, we, you know, Abraham and Sarah, actually, by Sarah's encouragement, goes and gets one of his servants pregnant. What? Messes up God's plan. Because if he's, if he's the one that promised, guess what? He's faithful to perform. He's faithful to perform. We have a lot of are you sure moments with an unpredictable God that is yet constant and consistent and doesn't change. It's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. And we make plans and we should make plans. I'm not telling you to walk out of here and throw away your calendars and get rid of your, 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 your schedules and, and get rid of all that stuff, but just recognize the limits of it. You know, speaking of schedules, I mean, we have a new creature in our home. And it's amazing the power that a six pound human being that can't even talk yet has over your life. He sets the calendar. We don't tell him, this is when you're going to eat. This is when you're going to sleep. No, he's got a little bit more power than that. He dictates some things right now. So guess what? Schedules are kind of out the window. I'm used to going to bed at this time, and I'm used to waking up at this time, and I'm used to sleeping this long. Not anymore. Make it up somewhere else. Make it up or suck it up and just drive on. Right? And schedules are powerful. Schedules reveal priorities. I know what's important by what you schedule. I know what you value by what's on your calendar. And I know what you value by what's not on your calendar. The things you eliminate, the things you cut off, the things you remove, the things you don't have time for. Hello, we need to make less time for some stuff. Anybody with me on that? Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me that a God that is timeless has always been and always will be. There's no expiration date has such a high value for time. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you would think if I had all the time in the world, God literally has all the time in the world, and yet he is very, very uh, commanding and, and directing of what we do with that time. But there's also things that he will withhold. There's also things he won't reveal. There's also things that he will keep a mystery and a level of unpredictability so that we can operate in all that he's called us to be. Amen? In Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 1, I want this to be an encouraging word for you, and I'll go ahead and prepare my worship team. We will be doing Waymaker at the end when you guys come back. So get ready. And I'm preparing the rest of you to get ready to worship. So if you missed it the first round, 
You get to get in on the second one, but don't miss the second one. I said, don't miss the second one. If you're sitting there with your arms folded, sitting down, or had your head down, or, or dis, disconnected, I'm giving you a second turn, and I'm letting you know it's coming. Don't miss it. Your worship is powerful. I heard someone say one time, there's two times that it's most important to worship, when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the former account, uh, uh, the, the author of Acts is Luke. Actually, I think I have this in the New Living. Yep, so let me, let me get to the New Living. Acts chapter 1. The author of this book is Luke. So he's saying in my former account, what's that? The book of Luke. And he says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do. Everyone say began. Look at your neighbor say, we're just getting started. Yeah, we're just getting started. This is everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day. Everyone say day. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to instruct. The Holy Spirit wants to direct. The Holy Spirit wants to clue you in on some things. If you remember, when Jesus uh, introduced the Holy Spirit to his disciples, he introduced him, uh, him to them as the Spirit of truth. He introduced the Holy Spirit as the one that would guide them and lead them into all truth, which means we don't know truth until the Holy Spirit shows it to us. So sometimes we believe a lie until the Holy Spirit brings revelation. We talked about that last week. If we hear a lie enough, we'll believe the lie. If you believe the lie long enough, you'll begin to defend the lie. Dangerous. We want to stay away from that. But the Holy Spirit comes, and he's giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. The, the New King James actually says infallible, meaning unmistakable ways. There was unmistakable evidence. He has risen from the grave. This is the Jesus that they put in the grave, right? Because there could be some confusion. Another man walking around calling himself Jesus. When he said that he would rise again, well, maybe one of his crazy followers wants to you know, trick us and bought into his lie. So I'm going to run around like Jesus. But... It was unmistakable. This is Jesus. He's alive. He's back from the dead. He showed through many infallible proofs. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Jesus was obsessed with the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't care for Christianity. Hello. He didn't care for religion. He didn't care for, for practicalities and practices and formalities and all the stuff that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elders and the teachers of the law, all the stuff that they were interested. Jesus came to preach and bring a kingdom. A kingdom is a government. Now, the interesting part about Jesus bringing a kingdom is because God's people at this time, during this time, we're looking for a government to rise up and overthrow the government that they were in bondage to, the Romans. The Jews in this territory, in Judea, were under Roman rule. What Rome would do, 
Rome set up their kingdom and their government a little bit different than others. Most like Persia and the Medes and the Greeks, and those guys, they would go and they would conquer a nation and take slaves back from that nation to their hometown. What Rome did, which allowed Rome to be one of the greatest uh, nations on the planet, was they would go into a territory, overthrow the territory, rule the territory, and place governors in that territory to turn that territory into another Rome. They would extend their territory. Hello? They would extend their territory. And so now you've got Rome in Italy, but now you've got all these little Romes, and little by little, these governors would introduce new culture, new ways of thinking, new ways of talking. Eventually, they would phase out their old languages, and they would start to speak, you know, the, the language of the Romans, which is whatever that is. I'm not that deep into history to know what that was. Chase, you got me on that one? Latin. Latin. But in Judea, they spoke what? Hebrew and Aramaic? Yep. But over time, they begin to introduce these new cultures, right, called conditioning. That's what Rome would do. And Jesus came in the fullness of time, the Bible says. You know what that means? God knew, God knew what he was doing. He's never late, is he? I know it's hard to, to, to say, no, he's never late, when right now you're waiting on something that you thought would already show up. But I'm here to remind you, he's never late. The timing of God is very important. And I want to remind you that God, even though he is timeless, he's not just sitting on his hands. Everything is preordained. Everything is predestined. Everything is set into motion and set into place before the foundations of the world. God knew what he was doing when he sent Jesus at the time that he sent him. So when Jesus shows up and starts talking about this kingdom and he's obsessed with it, it's all he talks about. All he talks about, everywhere he goes, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. He's, he's introducing them and restoring a heavenly kingdom. Well, guess what that sounds like to all these people that have just come under Roman rule? It sounds like somebody rising up in opposition to free them from the oppression. When Jesus gets up in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4 and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. He's anointed me to what? Set at liberty the captives. All of a sudden they're like, yeah, wait, yeah what? We're captive. We're in bondage. We're tired of these people telling us what to do. We're tired of these people trying to shape the way we live. We're tired of these people trying to, trying to create a new way of living for us. We, 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 we don't want to be under this bondage any longer. Until Jesus showed up, God had been absent from God's people for over 400 years. Hadn't spoken a word from Malachi to Matthew. 400 years, nothing. And you know what he did to fill the gap? He brought the word, put it in flesh, and he dwelled among us. And now Jesus shows up revealing God's word to the people. But naturally, they begin thinking, we're gonna, this man, we're gonna follow this man. He's gonna set up a kingdom and we're going to overthrow the Romans. We're going to come out from under this bondage and this captivity. We're going to overthrow this rule over us, this oppression over us. At one point, Jesus even had to remove himself from the crowd because they tried to make him king right there on the spot. And they mistook what Jesus really came to do. 
he, even up until the point of his ascension, it tells us that he is te- talking, teaching them about the kingdom of God. In verse 4, it says, once when he was eating with them, so it's giving us insight in one of these encounters that Jesus had with his disciples. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So he's reminding them, I told you about the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. John truly baptized with water, but in just a few days, just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The command was to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for what? A time. Wait for what? A day. He's giving them direction. He's giving them guidance on when to wait. He doesn't say exactly what day. He says in a few days. Isn't that the worst? Any type A people just get irritated? Uh, You know, one of these days. You don't want a one of these days when Jesus himself is about to remove himself from the earth. You know, a clock would be nice, a, a calendar, a schedule, the one that knows the end from the beginning. You can't let me know what day exactly that is. We're just tarrying and we're just waiting. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom. Has the time, is this the time? Is this the moment we've all been waiting for? Is this the moment that we thought was in question when we saw your body beaten up and, and, and hanging, like just flesh hanging off of a cross, and then we saw them take you down and put you in the grave, and we, we thought this whole moment of being free and being, being brought to liberty and, and being brought out of bondage and kept, we thought that this time was, was, was just gone. It was a foregone conclusion, and then you came, and now you're here with us. Is this the time you're going to set up your kingdom? Is this the time you're going to do what you promised? How many times have we asked that question? Is this the time? Is this the moment? Is this it? Is this when you're going to move? Is this when? You you spoke. You promised. You you said you would. These are all the blessings that you commanded over. Is this it? You start to see a light at the end of the tunnel. He's back. He's here. He did rise again, just like he said. He came up out of that grave. We're witnesses to that. We have seen the risen Savior. This is it. You can imagine the optimism. You can imagine the delight of seeing themselves free from this natural oppression. You can see it in their eyes. You can feel it in their heart. They're, they're, the freedom, is they're right on the cusp. This is it. We're going to overthrow the Romans. We're going to get them. We're going to run them out of town. Look what Jesus replies with. Verse 7. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. That's great. You preach about this freedom and this liberty, and, 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 and you're talking about this kingdom that just sounds so amazing. And we've seen the signs and we've seen the wonders and we've seen you move and, 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 and you know, we, we, we've seen what you have done. 
And now you want to play a game of that's for me to know and you to find out? This doesn't seem like the right time, Jesus. This doesn't seem like for the time for you to be withholding information. Come on, if we're going to overthrow this thing, we all need to be on the same page, right? I need, to, I need to know where you're going with this. I need to know what, you, what you've got up your sleeve. Come on, how are we doing it? We got, we got weapons, we got swords. We, we just, are, are you doing that whole angel thing, come from heaven and just, you know, a legion of, of, of angels will come and wipe them all out? Because you talked about that in the garden and you said that wasn't the time and that you had to go to the cross. But is this the time? Is that the little, the, the angel legion trick thing? Where's the deliverance? When is the time? When is the time? In the midst of unpredictability, in the midst of, of, of being so uncertain, can you please just let me know, when is the time? Are we close? But he responds with the Father alone. He says, not even I know. In fact, that repeats something that he actually told the disciples before. He says, the Son of Man doesn't even know. The day, the time. And then look what he says in verse 8. This sounds really weird. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Wait a minute, witnesses? Are you going somewhere? Do I have to tell people that don't see you that I saw you? That's what a witness is. You mean you're not going to be here yourself to tell everybody? I'm going to have to tell others that I saw you and convince them that you're alive and convince them that you rose again and convince them? Or what? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What a weird response. Don't you hate it when you ask a question, but you don't get the direct answer? You don't even get the right answer? You don't even get an answer. Did you hear what I, we're asking you if this is the time. What's this power? What's this witnesses? What's this Holy Spirit mess got to do with anything? In the New King James, this verse, verse 7, it, it reads like this. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. It is not for you to know the times or seasons. This word times here, this word times is the Greek word chronos. It's where we get our word chronological or chronicles or chronology, right? Chronos. It's speaking of a duration of time. It's speaking of a lapse of time. The word chronos means a period or stretch of time. So we're literally talking about the duration of how long something will last. And he says, it is not for you to know the duration of how long this will last. It's not for you. He said, in essence, you're asking the wrong question. You want to know when all this will be over. You want a level of predictability. You want to, right, because predictability means control. When I can predict something, I can control it. When I can plan it, I can prepare for it, right? I mean, right now, 
we didn't plan to get in this thing, but we're trying to make a plan to get out of this thing. Hello? I mean, just yesterday, I was uh, at a store in the mall, and uh, the lady, uh, we, we just got to talking about everything, and, and, and the cashier there, she was talking about how her kids are getting ready to go to school this next week. And she said what every other parent has said. I have no idea what it looks like, but I have two twin sophomores, and they got to get their tails in school. I'm done with them in the house. I don't care what happens when they get there. Basically, is what she said. But what it looks like, who knows? There's people that are angry about it. There's people that are happy about it. There's people that are confused about it. There's people that we're all across the board on this thing, right? Because if we can, if we can control it, we can plan for it, we can prepare for it. We don't even know what we're preparing for. So much uncertainty. So much unpredictability right now. And if you're like me, you've asked the question, God, is, is this it? Is this, is this what we've been waiting for? Is this the liberty? I mean, I just, my, 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 my in-laws are in town. I just asked my father-in-law yesterday. I said, I wonder what it's going to take for us to release a lot of the, the measures that we have put into place, the wearing of masks and distancing. And, and, you know, I've been watching baseball, and it's been weird because there's no fans in the stands, and there's cardboard cutouts. And I, when do we replace the cardboard cutouts with real people? And people paid to put those cardboard cutouts there. Yeah, I heard that. I can't pay to buy the actual ticket. I'll pay to put my face in the seat. And the home run balls are hitting people's faces. And so I told my dad the other day, I said, it would have been awesome, man, if, if they would have gotten, uh, if they would have done a thing where, uh, you know, sure, and look, the money goes to charity. Let me just put that out there. The, all, from all that I've heard, the money's going to charity. The teams aren't collecting that or whatever. So they're doing it. They found a way to do a good deed. But I thought, man, that'd be cool. Like, if you paid to put your face in a seat, if they hit a home run ball and it hits you in the face, at least send you the home run ball. That would be awesome. They're doing that. They took my idea and ran with it. That's awesome. I put it out there. I didn't know if they'd get a hold of it. I'll be looking for the check. The patent pending. Yeah, they've got all kinds of crazy stuff we're doing right now. When does it release? When does it come up? Will the vaccine really be that, be the, the trigger? I don't know. You know, when you put fear in people, there, there's, no, there's no level of control you have. There's no limit to the control you have. That's why the enemy wants you in fear because what, what is in fear is controlled, is dictated. You don't have any control. You can't manage anything anymore. That doesn't mean don't go out and do certain things, but if fear is leading you to do those things, guess what? You can take all the measures in the world. You'll still be in fear because fear's on the inside. Fear doesn't, you don't put a mask on fear and get rid of it. Doesn't work that way. You put the word on fear. Perfect love casts out all fear, all of it, all of it. So we have this unpredictability. We have this uncertainty. We have this time right now where, where we, don't, we don't even know what we're waking up to next tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to be on. We, I mean, you're almost just bracing yourself every time you look at your phone. Is, something, is there going to be a news article? Is there going to be a, some kind of, is there going to be some kind of, everyone, it, it, it just the, the world gone crazy. 
That's why I've spent the last five to six weeks empowering you to not let your head spin like the world is. Because if we're spinning like they are, guess what? The one hope of the world to pull them out of it, we're compromised. If you didn't get it the first time around, go back and listen to the messages because they will empower you and equip you to change the world. The disciples are interested in this rising up of a natural kingdom. It's amazing, you know, how we'll complain about something when it does us wrong, but it'll be the very thing we desire when we think it has the key to our freedom. He's promising a government. A government. God, Jesus, where's this government? We want to be a part of this government. We want to be a part of this kingdom. So they're looking in the natural, but Jesus isn't speaking about a natural kingdom. He's not speaking of a natural overthrow. That was never his intention. That was never his plan. In fact, when the, when the soldiers were putting the nails in his hands and his feet, what was he saying? Father, forgive them because you're not my enemy. I'm not warring against flesh and blood. See, when you don't know what kingdom you're a part of, you'll fight the enemy. You'll fight an enemy that's really an ally. You'll make an enemy out of someone that's really on your side for you, not against you. He died for the very ones that were driving the nails in his hands. So the disciples are looking at this natural kingdom, and we have this word. Jesus says that it has not been uh, given to you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Everyone say authority. It's interesting, but actually in the King James, that word is translated power. It's translated power. Or it's actually written in the King James word. In the King James, the word there it says is power. It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Verse 8 says, But you shall receive power. That's confusing. Unless we dig a little deeper. That's why it's good to be a studier of the He says in the New King James, it's translated properly. That it is not for us to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. The word authority here is the word exousia. Exousia. It's a Greek word, exousia. So where we get the word execute or ex- to execute, execution, to execute a plan. It means authority. It means to control, to manage. It means to control or to manage. It means to have control over. Um, It means to authorize. So it's within the Father's authorization to know the times and the seasons. He says, you have not been authorized. It is not within your control to know the times and the seasons. Are y'all with me? A little bit of teaching, but I promise we'll get back to it. We'll get the team up here. We'll have a good time. But follow me. Let's get there. The word power there from the King James Version is the word authority. It's the word exousia, which means to control, to authorize. It means to manage. But you shall receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This word power is the word dunamis. The Greek word dunamis. 
This word is where we get our word dynamite. So exousia means to execute or to be authorized, but dunamis means dynamite, means mighty power. It means dynamic in its working. It means ability and strength. Ability and strength. So let's read it, knowing these clarifications. It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority to control, to manage, or has been authorized. But you shall receive strength, a mighty work, and an ability when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So watch what Jesus is saying here. He says, there's something that my Father has control of, and there's something that you have power with. Many times we get our eyes off of what we have control of, get our eyes on the thing that we don't have control of, and we neglect and abandon what we do have control of. What's he saying? In essence, while you're over here worried about when is the time, and ultimately what they're talking about is the second coming of Jesus, which is still yet to take place. When is Jesus coming? When are you coming? When are you restoring the kingdom? Because he will. The kingdom of heaven is going to come out of heaven. It's going to come to this earth. Go read it in Revelation chapter 21. We will receive a new heaven, and we will receive a new earth, and his church will rise. There will be a millennial reign, and the enemy will be whipped, stripped, and defeated. He will be chained up for a thousand years. That's coming. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying, don't concern yourself when it happens. Just know that I've given you the power to operate on this earth in my stead until it does. Come on, I want to help somebody with the unpredictability of life and the uncertainty. Yeah, it might be out of your control. Yeah, it might be beyond your control. Yeah, what other people are doing and saying and acting and what, how they're responding may be beyond. But you do have a power. You do have an ability. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he comes upon you, and he empowers you to make it through. So here's the thing. So many times we're worried about what God is going to do for us. Jesus is saying, I want to do something with you, through you, not just for you. In essence, what he's saying is the Holy Spirit's going to come alongside you. And see, you're so concerned with what God's going to do for you, delivering us from this oppression, delivering us from this captivity, delivering us from this bondage. You don't even recognize the assistance you have right beside you to go through. I said to go through. Come on, you're going to make it through 2020. You're going to make it through this year. You're going to make it through that trial. You're going to make it through that death. You're going to make it through that, that struggle. You're going to make it through that issue. You're going to make it through that. You will come on the other side. Someone one time, old preacher, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Because he's with you even in the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. 
in the valley. I don't have to be on the mountaintop to be void of fear. I can be in the valley and still crush fear because I know who's with me. Jesus is saying, it's not within your authority. It's not within your control to dictate the times. But you do have the power of the Holy Spirit to be a light in the midst of the times. I said to be a light. So while we're so worried about what is outside of our control, we neglect what is within our control. Because you do have power. By the Holy Spirit, you have power. I said you have power to speak light into darkness. You have power to call healing to come to pass. You have the power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You have the power to rebuke darkness and it has to flee. You have the power to speak to demons and they have to go. You have the power. You have the power. Say, I have the power. Say, I have the power. He goes on to say in verse 9, Verse 9, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As soon as he lets them know, you have the power. You may not know how you're going to get through. You may not know what the process looks like. You may not know when it's going to happen. See, I don't need to know when when I know who. I don't need to know how when I know who. Hello? And the very next thing that takes place, he ascends. The very next thing he he does, he ascends. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Can you just picture this? A bunch of guys just staring in the sky. They're probably staring in the sky because they know when they look back down, he's gone. We're on our own. He didn't tell us when he's coming back. What's that supposed to mean? It's not for you to know the times or seasons. Bye. What do we do now? Right? What do we do now? What do we do with this uncertainty? What do we do with the unpredictable yet same yesterday, today, and forever God? What do we do with that God? Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Maybe this guy will help us out. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, and someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Thanks. We already knew that. You got any extra info? Someday? Someday? Any ideas? Got a calendar? 
I mean, at least be like the cable company, between 8 and 12, somewhere in there. The plumber will be at your house. Just hang out and wait. Sometime between now and the end of the world, he will return. (laughs) You thought the cable company was bad. He's been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return. Great. More unpredictability. More uncertainty. I've got power. I've got power. I've got power, but I can't predict. I've got power, but I don't know what's coming. It it, it almost seems ridiculous to have power, but you don't know what you're preparing for. Almost seems ridiculous to give someone power. Power for what? When's he coming? When are we overthrowing this kingdom? When are we getting out of this liberty and this bondage? In verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room, the upper room of the house where they were staying. It says in verse 14, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Well, I tell you what. You don't know what to do. Prayer always works. What are you doing in the waiting? What are you doing in the tarrying? What are you doing when you don't know? What are you doing when you don't see? I know the song says, even when I don't see it, you're working. But my question turns to you. Even when you don't see it, what are you doing? I know what he's doing. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. But even when you don't feel it, are you believing? Are you standing? Are you remaining constant? Are you remaining steadfast? Are you remaining immovable? What are you doing in the waiting? Well, we know in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Everyone say fully come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. What does that mean? In the fullness of time. There was a fullness that had to take place. And right now God is working on a fullness in the church. He's working on a full. Are you filled? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you in the place that God needs you to be? So when it all does happen, you are where you need to be to keep on moving with him. Because this would have been an easy time to stare into heaven, look down, and go right back to what you used to do. Go fishing, tax collecting, doing whatever else you used to do. That's what a lot of people do. They come out of the presence of God, and they run right back to what was familiar. They run right, and he told them to specifically, he said to what? Tarry and wait. For the promise of the Father. What does waiting look like? 
What does waiting look like? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. That's a key. That's a key. Only 120 of them. It says that it, he, he presented himself to over 400 people in the 40 days, and yet we only have 120. Guys, it may be the minority that is waiting, but I'm going to tell you right now, you want to be with the waiting. You want to be with the tarrying, not the ones that got sidetracked, not the ones that ran back to what was familiar, not, what, not the ones that ran back to what they knew and got stuck in the same old stuff that they were in before Jesus showed up. Wait and tarry. Worship team, if you come. Worship team. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Let me give you a couple more verses. John chapter 16, verse 13. John chapter 16, 13. This is what Jesus had to say of the Holy Spirit while he was on the earth. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. Watch this. He will tell you about the future. He will tell you about the future. This is why the Holy Spirit is so important and so key. And being led by the Spirit in these last days, being led by the Spirit in these moments, this is going to be paramount for us. Because being led by the Holy Spirit is way better than a prediction. Being led by the Holy Spirit is far greater than having a predictability about your life and having a certainty about what's coming tomorrow. You want to be led by the Spirit of God. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. The last thing I want to show you, Colossians chapter 4. You know, Jesus even told his disciples when he was on the earth, there's many things that I want to tell you, but you can't handle it. You can't bear it right now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll be able to show you things I haven't even been in. There were things that not even Jesus could share. Tell me we don't need the Holy Spirit. Tell me we don't need to value the, the leading of the Spirit in our lives. That there's things that he wants to show you, but he can't. Because we're not led by his spirit. So look at this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. It says this, live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let me read it to you in the, in the New King. Do we have it in the New King James? Look at this. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Wait a minute. I thought it was not for us to know the times or the seasons. I got one more definition for you. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? This is not the same word, time, that we saw in Acts. 
in Acts, knowing the times and seasons was chronos, a duration of time. This is the word kairos, meaning an opportune time, a kind of time. Chronos talks about the quantity of time, but Kairos says, I want you to know the quality of time. How long will it last? I don't know, but make the best of it while you have it. How? What's the duration look like? I don't know, but use it to your advantage while you have it. What he's saying is, go back to the the new living. I pulled the punch too soon. Likewise, uh, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. How long will it last? I don't know. But I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to stand in faith. And even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I can't stand it, he's working. Even when it's all falling around me, he's moving, he's changing, he's touching, and I'm going to stay with him. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.